Good morning, everybody. Uh, great to see all of you this morning. 231 in your hymnal. It should be up on the board in a second. Uh, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. 231. If y'all would all stand up with me. And that's 231 in the hymnal if you want to grab one in the pew backs right there in front of you. Here it is on the board. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Spread the news to every land. And cross the waves. Onward tis our Lord's command. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Let's see. Verse 2. Wafted on the rolling tide. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Far and wide. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing ye islands of the sea and echo back ye ocean caves. Earth shall keep her jubilee. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing above the battle strife. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. By his death, and endless life, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing it softly through the gloom when the heart for mercy craves. Sing it triumph o'er the tomb. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing above the battle strife. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. By his death and endless life, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing it so. Hills and deepest caves, this our song of victory. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Okay. Well, good morning to everybody. I think we're over the technical difficulties now. But, um, I think we're going to have some announcements right now this morning. We'll come back and we'll gather and sing some more. I think you can all be seated for a little while. Good morning. Welcome to the services of Grace Church. We want to say a special welcome to the first-time visitors that we have here with us today. And if you did not get an opportunity to sign our register that's located in the foyer, we ask that you do so so that we might have a record of your attendance. Uh, we want to praise the Lord and, and welcome back our pastor and Miss Lynn for their safe travels and they took a much-needed short break. Uh, we want to also thank Elder Turner for speaking on our pastor's behalf while he was away. <clears throat> we want to continue to remember Lauren Hazelwood and her son, Bo. Uh, Lauren and her husband decided to sleep at home for the past two nights, but they have been able to be staying at the hospital. Uh, Bo is doing well, uh, as many newborns uh, do. He has lost a little bit of weight, uh, but he is doing good and is expected to be in the hospital at least a couple of more weeks, so let's continue to remember them. We also want to pray for Dale Hazelwood's co-worker, John King. He did have some tests done recently and is waiting some results as well as he's wearing a heart monitor. He was able to go back to work for a couple of days this past week, so we thank the Lord for that. 
We also remember uh, one of Dale's extended uh, family members, Brad Edwards, who suffered a recent head injury and is believed to still be in the hospital, so let's continue to remember him. Also for Judy LePetri, she's here today, let's continue to remember her, and for Calvin as he ministers to her needs. That's a beautiful smile. Joe Moran's sister Debbie, we want to continue to remember her. She had some recent tests on her esophagus, and I haven't heard the results of that, but let's continue to remember her. Also, Pat Jackson, who was admitted to Vanderbilt Hospital for a day or so because of the infection in her operative site where she had this uh, previous uh, surgery on her scalp to remove some carcinoma cancer. We want to, uh, she's going to return to Vanderbilt. I think she went Friday. Okay. She went back Friday to see if she was going to have to have surgery to reopen and clean out the wound that got infected, but we haven't heard any results of that, so let's continue to remember Pat Jackson. Uh, Brother John Crutcher mentioned last week about Lily, who is 16 years old, who was having some problems that weren't yet diagnosed. She uh, had to be sedated this past week to have some additional test run and some lung work, uh, cleaning out her lungs. After the test, she was released and is happy to be home, but she will have to be on antibiotics for a couple of weeks, and we'll see several specialists once they get the results of their test. So let's continue to remember young Lily. We also will remember Ken's father-in-law. He is recovering well from his last episode. He's back in a rehab hospital and expected to be there for probably two to three more weeks, but he is making great progress, and Ken wants to thank all of you for your prayers on his behalf. Judy Barton's surgery went well. She is home, but I understand that she's having a little trouble managing her pain, so let's continue to remember Judy and also for her husband, Lee, as he ministers to her needs. We want to continue to remember uh, Ken and Barbara Pattisall that the pray, uh, pastor has asked for prayer on their behalf. Uh, George Bishop, whose uh, shingles pain, post-shingles pain, pain remains unchanged. We want to continue to remember him. He's going to be evaluated on the 8th of June by his cardiologist, and if approved, he will be scheduled for repeat bladder biopsy soon. We also want to remember Michelle George whose uh, oncologist wants to have an MRI study. Her recent labs were unchanged from the previous results, which is good news, but let's continue to remember her before the Lord. And Nelson also mentioned his 12-year-old granddaughter, Ava, had excision of a scalp cyst Monday in Johnson City. Took about an hour because of the proximity of the nerves and, and arteries, so we want to continue to remember her before the Lord. Also, Shirley Murphy, who continues to have pain from this right rotator cuff. And uh, Carl and Ruby Perry are here with us today. Such a blessing to see them both, and they want to thank you all for your prayers on their behalf. Let's continue to remember them before the Lord and just thank the Lord that he's brought them safely back to us. We also want to remind you to make plans to join us for the, uh, as we host the Providence Theological New Institute's New Covenant Theology John Bunyan Conference. The conference will run Sunday evening, June 20th through Wednesday, June the 23rd, and the conference messages will survey Paul's epistle to the Galatians with a conference theme of breaking free, staying free. So let's be in prayer about that upcoming conference as well as please make plans to join us for that. We also want to remind you, as we're not passing the plate right now, that if you'd like to make a gift to the church, you can do so by placing your gift in the offering box that's located on the foyer, in the foyer on the round table. Any other prayer announcements that I'm not aware of that you'd like to mention briefly? All right. Thank you so much.
Good morning again to everybody, and we want to say another welcome to anybody that just might be joining us now by the internet over YouTube, Ustream, or Sermon Audio Video. We want to say a welcome to you. We're thankful that you're here to worship with us this morning. Number 318 in your hymnal, and if any of you are like me, you need the Lord every hour, so let's, let's sing about it. We're a fickle people, aren't we? I need thee every hour. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior. in the hymnal. Hope you all have had a good week. We had an interesting little cold snap yesterday, didn't we? Uh, it's actually chilly in the middle of almost June. All right, fairest Lord Jesus, 50, number 50 in the hymnal if you want to use it. Can we stand up? This is a good one to lift your voices on. Fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature, oh, thou of God and man, the Son, thee will I cherish, thee will I honor, thou my soul's glory. Still the wood 
Stay standing or stay seated, but Pastor and Miss Lynn are going to come up, and you can sit down, he says. But I can't guarantee you won't stand back up. No promises. Well, good morning. <laughs> Little flock. They're the Perrys back there. I'm supposed to sing... Old rugged cross, but uh, can we do it next Sunday? Just for you, <laughs> you asked me. <laughs> well, we're so good to see all of you, and I hope you're having a good a good week uh, today, and that you will be careful. I want to repeat what I said earlier. Please be careful over this Memorial Day weekend because it can be a very dangerous time. Where did Memorial Day come from? Where, how did it originate? I thought I'd share a little bit with you about that. Memorial Day was originally called Decoration Day, and it was suggested by General John A. Logan, who was a leader of the Civil War Veterans Association. It began way back in the 1800s. The first Decoration Day was celebrated May the 30th in 1868. And it was celebrated on that day for almost a century. It was changed to the last Monday in May in 1971. And it was then that it became a federal holiday. And on each day, this day each year, many go out and decorate the graves of the soldiers, hence the term, the Decoration Day. And then it evolved into what we now call Memorial Day. When it, when it did, it was extended to include all American military personnel who had died in different wars. Well, the Bible says, render honor to whom honor is due, Romans chapter 13 and verse 7. 
And so we salute uh, all of you who have served in some capacity in one of the branches of our military, and we remember those who have died in the war in defense of our liberties and our freedoms. How many here have family or somebody that have died in the war? Nobody? How many have been in the military? How many wives have been in the military? <laughs> I was thinking the other night about uh, the wives. I saw a picture, I don't know if I can say this without crying, but a young girl that uh, was out in the graveyard of the military graves had her blanket down with her little child, little infant in a seat, and her husband had been killed in the last war just, just about a year or two ago, and there she was laying flat on her face, um, crying and praising God, I guess, for, for him, but there he was with a white military tombstone, and she's out there laying on the grass. That's what Memorial Day is for. We have... Um, Number one, we have Armed Force Day, and that's for those still in uniform. We have Veterans Day, which is for those who have hung up their uniforms. And Memorial Day is for those who never made it out of their uniforms. So this, uh, I had to, I didn't know that, some of it. So I had to look it up. But our country is battle-worn and sore. We're tired of all this, but in the ranks of the Marines, the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, National Guard, Coast Guard, and more, we stand secure as Americans um, of all nationalities, hand in hand, arm in arm, with the feeling of hope, peace, joy, and the pursuit of happiness. That's where we stand. And we have, listen to this, especially today, we have the right to be free. You know why? Just like us as Christians, we have the right to be free. We know with a capital K-N-O-W that our debt has been paid, paid by fighting men and women from all quarters of our great nation, men and women who gave up home, health, family, and life, not for just part-time freedom, <laughs> but for who stood in the gap for all of us they stood in the gap for us to possess and enjoy a freedom no other country or nation has. And it's full, capital F-U-L-L, -L, full freedom. And our hats are off to you that served in the service. So Monday is Memorial Day, and uh, we applaud every work that all Americans have sacrificed we honor you to preserve you, excuse me. We applaud, I wrote all this, so I'm gonna read it. We applaud every work that all Americans have sacrificed to preserve our republic, and we honor you. May God truly bless America. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. Uh, as you all know, it is no surprise, uh, our culture is undergoing radical or radical change, radical changes, I should say. And so things are not as the way most of us, uh, if you're over 40 years old, uh, you're the generation prior 
uh, knew a different kind of life in every respect than we're moving in today. I say that because I'm going to read a little uh, kind of a jovial, some statements written by an old veteran, and it's called Give Them a Whooping. You know what a whooping is? Well, we don't know what that is today, thanks to Dr. Spock, but my generation knew what it was. And this is what he wrote. He said, the next time you see any adults talking during the playing of the national anthem, give them a whooping. When you witness firsthand someone burning the American flag in protest, give them a whooping. Regardless of the rank they held while they serve, pay the highest amount of respect to all veterans. If you see anyone doing otherwise, quietly pull them aside. Explain how these veterans fought the very freedom that they bask in every second. Enlighten them on the many sacrifices these veterans made to make this nation great. And then hold them down while a disabled veteran gives them a whooping. If you witness someone calling the Coast Guard non-military, inform them of their mistake and give them a whooping. Next time Old Glory, that's the U.S. flag, prances by during a parade, get on your feet and pay homage to her by placing your hand over your heart. This includes arrogant politicians who think someone may be offended. Quietly thank the military member or veteran lucky enough to be carrying her. Of course, failure to do either of those could earn you a severe whooping. Flyboy, which is for the Air Force, Jarhead for the Marines, Grunt for the Army, Squid for the Navy, Puddle Jumpers for the Coast Guard, Bubblehead for Subsailor, etc., are terms of endearment that we use describing each other. Unless you are a service member or vet, you've not earned the right to use them. Using them could get you a whooping. Last but not least, whether or not you are or have ever been in the military, support our troops and their families. Every Thanksgiving and religious holiday that you enjoy with your family and with friends, please remember that there are literally thousands of soldiers, sailors, Marines, and airmen far from home wishing they could be with their families. Thank God for our military and the sacrifices they make every day. Without them, our country would itself get a whooping. It's the veteran, <clears throat> not the reporter, who has given us the freedom of the press. It's the veteran, not the poet, who has given us the freedom of speech. It is the veteran, not the community organizer, who gives us the freedom to demonstrate. It's the military who salutes the flag, who serves beneath the flag, and whose coffin is draped by the flag, who allows the protester to burn the flag. Let us pray. Our Father, we call upon you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us, gave himself for us, and who has enlisted us, who has drafted us into his army to serve as Christian soldiers. We thank you today for the liberties and the freedoms that we enjoy in this nation. 
We know that it is by your sovereign hand that we enjoy these liberties. We also know that you've used various and sundry means to give us these liberties and freedoms. And so we thank you for the men and women who have served in the military under the commander-in-chief of these United States and for the people to grant us these liberties and freedoms. Pray, Father, that as Christians we might dedicate ourselves to serving our Lord Jesus Christ as faithful soldiers in his army. We pray that you will preserve our liberties, that you will preserve our freedoms, that those who would overthrow this nation may themselves be overthrown, that those who would dig a ditch may themselves fall into it, that you, by your good pleasure and sovereign purpose, will preserve these United States for the purpose of carrying out the gospel, spreading the gospel to other nations. For Lord, if we don't have the freedom to do so, if we don't enjoy the freedom of religion, how can we witness to others, both in this nation and throughout the world? We thank you for your blessings and pray that you'll bless us today as we look into your word. We ask it in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ for his sake. Amen. Brother Joshua is going to come and lead us with Sue and Trace and him. It is up on the board for you, but it's number 531 in your hymnal. Isn't it wonderful when we can come together and beseech the Lord on behalf of our land. We don't know how the Lord will deliver us this time. Maybe he'll just deliver his people, or he can deliver our, our whole country and our whole land. But you know what? We ought to pray that he would do that. So as we sing this, if we can stand together, pray that the Lord would shed his grace on us here. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountains' majesty above the
for the reading of God's Word, which will be taken from 2 Timothy, chapter 2. 2 Timothy, chapter 2. We're going to ask the Lord's help this morning as we look into His Word. We appeal to Him. Father, I stretch my hand your attention to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to interrupt our series of studies that we're having now from 1 Thessalonians, and uh, we're going to look today at the theme, A Good Soldier of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul wrote to his young son in the faith, Timothy, beginning in verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word, and let God's people say praise the Lord. 
and you may be seated. I don't have to tell you that the Scripture teaches us that every role in life must be employed in the service of King Jesus, that is, for Christians. So no matter what each of us does in this world, we should know this. Whether you are a policeman, or whether you are a teacher, or whether you are a common laborer, whatever you do, the Scriptures say, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all of thy might, and do it as unto the Lord. Serve the Lord wherever you are with whatever you have. Now, this Scripture tells us that every believer is a soldier in the army of Christ. And I may say that if we're not in Christ's army, even if one gave his life in the army, the navy, the air force, the marine, the coast guard, or whatever, for this country's sake, according to the scripture, even if you give your body to be burned, it profits nothing if we don't stand in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wrote to young Timothy to remind him that he was a soldier in the army of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of us never served in the military. When I was in, the, in college, my first years of college, years ago, the Vietnam War had started and was going on. And I was called to go to Atlanta uh, to go through all of the tests and the things that you have to do. And I was told that they'd get in touch with me if they called me. In those days, as I'll explain a little bit more in just a moment about some of this, in those days, if you were in college or you were employed in certain employments, they didn't call you unless there was a dire emergency. And so I never was called to go into the military. And of course, the Vietnam War, uh, by the time I finished all of my education, was, had been way over. But I'm in the military. I'm in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are too if you are a believer. If you're a believer, you are a soldier in Christ's army. Now, the first question that I want to address is this. How does one become a soldier in the army of Christ? When I was growing up, we had two systems of going into the military. One was you could be drafted, and the other was you could join up. Now, if you joined up, you served two years unless you wanted to re-enlist. And if you were drafted, you served three years. Now, Tennessee is, of course, known as the volunteer state because of going way back uh, to the Civil War. This state was divided between the North and the South. And there's a long story about how it came to be called the volunteer state. But concerning the army of Christ, I want you to understand something this morning. I won't take all the time to explain it. But the only way that you can be a soldier of Christ is if you're drafted. Every soldier 
in the Lord's army is drafted in the service. They didn't join up. They were drafted. Notice verse 4 in this passage in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says, No man that wars, no man that goes to war, entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him. He's drafted him. He has chosen him to be a soldier in his army. At any rate, we should know that when we talk about being called by the Lord, and I've said a lot about that lately, Romans 8, 28, probably the most famous verse, everything works together for good to those that love the Lord, to them who are the called according to His purpose in Christ Jesus. Those who are called are drafted. Not one single soldier in Christ's army joined Behind Give me something to say, and the devil doesn't want you to hear. <laughs> uh, is this one working here? This one working? All right. Well, we'll just take this one up right here then. Every person that's in the army of the Lord Jesus Christ is drafted. Now, I'll go back a lot of times to the book of Genesis, because the book of Genesis is the book of first things. When things first happened, you can follow that pattern all the way through the Scriptures to the end, and it usually holds true. So we go back and we look at our first parents, Adam and Eve, who sinned against the Lord. Did they run to the Lord, or did they run from the Lord? Well, they ran from the Lord. And all of their children has followed that path. How about Abraham? Well, Abraham didn't volunteer. He was down in Ur of the Chaldees. His father was an idol maker. Uh, they were a polytheistic society. They had many gods and goddesses. So how did Abraham come to worship and serve the one true and living God? Well, he was drafted. How about Moses? Did Moses join up? No, sir. Moses was drafted. God set a bush on fire, and Moses saw the bush. He went over there, and he noticed there was a fire in the bush, but the bush didn't burn up. And when he came close to the bush, he heard a voice, Take off your shoes. The ground you're standing on is holy. And God revealed himself to Moses, called him, and told him he was going to send him into Egypt. It says in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10, Come now, therefore... And I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said, Who am I, that I should go unto Pharaoh? And the Lord said, I'll be with you. And then Moses said, But they won't believe me. And the Lord said, What's that in your hand? And Moses said, A rod. And the Lord said, Cast it down. And when he threw it down, it became a serpent. A serpent. He said, Put your hand in your bosom. And when he pulled it out, it was diseased with leprosy. 
put it into your bosom again. He put it into his bosom again, and when he pulled it out, it was whole. Then Moses said, well, I can't speak. I'm not a good speaker. And God said, who made man's mouth? He said, your brother Aaron can speak, so I'll whisper it in your ear. You tell Aaron, he'll be the loudspeaker. You see, Moses did everything he could to keep from joining up. <laughs> he said, I don't have the power. I don't have the leadership qualities. And God said, I will be with thee. And all down through history, if you trace the history of Israel, you see that Israel did not join up. They fought the draft, and they're still fighting it today. Every priest was drafted that God used. Every prophet was drafted that God used in his army. And it's the same in the New Testament. The Lord Jesus Christ said to his disciples, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and I have ordained you that you should go forth and that you should bear fruit. Jesus called every disciple who became part of his army. There is not a single person in all of the Bible, in all of Scripture, in the Lord's army who was not drafted. And that's important for you to know. Another way of saying that is salvation is in the hands of the Lord. He is the one who calls us. We have the idea today that God is a needy God and that he can't get anything done without us. Well, how in the world did he create the universe? Who was hanging around to give him some directions and give him some instructions and enlighten him a little bit? No, my friends, and I will address this in this next lesson, God willing, from 1 Thessalonians, God's will, man's will, and free will, I will address the fact that you certainly have a will, and I have one. And what we need to be praying, we need to learn to pray, not my will, but thine be done. Because every time we get our way, and we do our will, and we do our thing, we always end up regretting it. You should pray about everything. You ought to pray about a parking place at Walmart. You ought to pray about everything because the Lord might have some purpose in that you at a certain place at a certain time to meet a certain person or maybe to avoid a certain thing. So you must, you must understand that if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, he drafted you. The second thing we need to understand is we must be a son or a daughter before we can be a soldier. Paul addresses young Timothy as his son in verse 1. My son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He was his son in the faith. He was a son of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now consider this fellow Paul who wrote this book, First and Second Timothy. In fact, he wrote 14 of the New Testament books in the Bible. He became the Apostle Paul. Saul of Tarsus became the Apostle Paul. Now you look at him as an example of drafting or joining up, and you can see from Acts chapter 9 that he was certainly drafted. You can read it for yourself and draw your own conclusion. And after he was drafted, he spent three years in boot camp studying the Scripture before going out to fight for the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what he said in Galatians chapter 1. Listen to his testimony. He said, When it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, 
to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen immediately. I did not confer with flesh and blood. I did not go up to Jerusalem to speak with those who were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia. He went out for three years into Arabia, and then after three years he returned into Damascus. After three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, and I stayed with him for 15 days. So Paul, like everybody else that's in the Lord's army, was drafted. If you are in the Lord's army, he drafted you. The next thing I want you to see is that in the Lord's army there is no secret service. No secret service in the Lord's army. I shared with you, you may not remember this, several years ago I shared an illustration about a man said he was in the Lord's army and uh, he came to a church that taught that the Lord's army was made up of volunteers. And when he was greeted at the door, the greeter said to him, Brother, you need to join again into the Lord's army. Well, he said, I'm already in the Lord's army. Well, said the deacon, why do I only see you at two or three times a year, maybe on Christmas and on Easter? And the man said, I can explain. You see, I'm in the secret service. Well, there is no secret service in the Lord's army. If we're in his army, we were drafted, and we were drafted to serve. So these are the these are the opening remarks that I want you to get hold of here. The Lord's army is made up of draftees. And so I ask, has he drafted you yet? Every draftee is a son or a daughter, and there are no secret agents, no secret soldiers in the Lord's army. Now what characterizes the soldiers that are in the Lord's army? They ought to be, they should be, they must be strong in grace. Look at verse 1. My son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. They're strong in the grace of the Lord. We are stand by grace. We are saved by grace. We are secured by grace. We are in the Lord because of the grace of God. And we desire to be on the battlefield for the Lord. As an old song, we ought to learn it here. I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. We desire to be on that battlefield. But in history, those who were slain in service counted a great honor. Always serving the Lord. The Bible tells us that whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord. The scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 2, 14 and 16 that he always causes us to triumph in the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 15, 57, thanks be to God which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever you bear witness for the Lord, you're serving the Lord as his soldier. Let me show you something in the scripture. If you want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 for just a moment. We've covered this many times over the years, but let's look at it again. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. <clears throat> Whenever we bear witness for the Lord, we're always victorious, one way or another. Notice, notice that look, look in verse 14, 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14. Thanks be unto God, 
which always causes us to triumph in Christ. We always triumph in Christ. And make manifest the savor, that's the smell, the aroma, of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ, a sweet smell, a sweet aroma, in them that are saved and in them that that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? What does that tell us? First of all, it tells us that if you hear anything of the truth, you can't be neutral. Once I know the Lord tells me to do something or forbids me from doing something, I can no longer plead ignorance. I am now officially, uh, uh, I I have to follow the orders of the Lord of the captain of my salvation. This tells us that when we share the gospel, when we share the truth, when we bear witness to someone by our lives or by our speech, by our words, that that gospel, that truth has, can have a twofold effect upon them. I've told you many times the same sun that hardens the clay melts the wax. Well, the same word of God can soften the heart or can harden the heart. And he says here that when we preach the gospel, it either smells nice and it smells sweet. It smells like a good aroma to those that are saved, but to those who are lost, to those who resist, to those who perish, it doesn't smell so good to them. But here's the point. The point is the Word of God accomplishes what the Lord would accomplish with it. It's our responsibility as good soldiers of Christ to get the Word of God out by means of any means given to us. This is why we use the internet. This is why we, uh, we have used television years ago. We were on television for 20 years. Uh, this is why uh, we do these things because, right tracks, bear witness, because we're trying to be good soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Always victorious because we're strong in grace. Where is this grace found? It's found in our commander-in-chief, the captain of our salvation, Jesus Christ. Secondly, soldiers, back in 2 Timothy chapter 2, soldiers ought to be committed, committed. In verse 2, he says, These things you've heard of me among many witnesses, the same take what you've heard and commit them to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We need to learn the truth, and then we need to commit the truth, commit to teaching the truth, standing in the truth, propagating the truth, and teach the truth to others who themselves will do the same. They are committed, soldiers of Christ are committed to spreading the truth taught to them and to other faithful men and women. And this implies, of course, that we must be always looking to Christ, trusting in Christ, relying on Christ, good and faithful servants who want to commit the truth taught to us to other good and faithful servants. Thirdly, they must be established in the truth. Established in the truth. You remember Peter was a little wishy-washy for a while before he was Uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. You remember the Lord Jesus Christ said to Peter, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he might sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. But when Peter was matured, then he was established. 
and his fervent desire for all of his brothers and sisters in Christ was that they should be established. And this is what he wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. He said, The God of all grace, who has called us unto eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that we've suffered a while, he will make you perfect, he will establish you, he will strengthen you, and he will settle you. And then in the fourth place, Soldiers of Christ must be persistent, must be persistent and persevere. Look at verse 3. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Brethren and sisters, this thing of serving the Lord is war. And there are many people, I've seen many people in the many years that I've been in the ministry here and in a few years before I got here, I've seen many people who've made professions of faith, who turned aside, who've been unfaithful, who did not endure, who even became ashamed of the truth of the gospel. This is going to become more and more difficult here in the United States. I've been warning our congregation and those who would listen for years and years and years that we were hated, headed for hate speech when you teach the Scripture. Because the Bible unequivocally makes certain statements about certain lifestyles, certain ways that people live, certain things that people do, and it condemns those things. And it says those people will not enter into the kingdom of God. In fact, the, uh, the original language in the New Testament, and many times when it's translated abominable, it is the word for for perversion. It uses the term pervert, and it says that the perverts, the, those who pervert the truth and pervert God's order, will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So we have to endure by the grace of God. We need to persevere. We need to be persistent. Can you imagine if you were in a time of war in the army, and uh, you knew that you had to be at a certain battle station at a certain time, and you go to your commanding officer and you said, you know, I've got a movie I'd like to see. Uh, it's going to be on tomorrow night at the same time that you wanted us to be charging here and I just won't be able to be here. Uh, I've got some relatives coming in and I'm going to be having to spend some time with them. We make every excuse in the world for worshiping and serving the Lord. We only worship in this church here now once a week on Sunday morning. Sunday morning for about an hour, hour and a half. And uh, the churches in this nation are falling away uh, uh, like fleas falling off the back of a, of, of a dog. Uh, it, it is unbelievable. And it's what people are embracing today uh, as truth, as the truth of the gospel. We're in trouble. And we've got to determine that by the grace of God, we're not going to follow the multitude. We're going to stand firm, stand for the truth. You don't have to be ugly. You don't have to be arrogant. But you do have to be firm. You do have to say, here I stand. I can do nothing else. This is where I'm going to stand. I stand on the truth of the Word of God. Paul says this to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 through 18, he says this, My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. In other words, ours is a spiritual battle. Our war is not with men, it's with these spirits 
that are controlling and influencing men. You see here that Paul says the same thing that he said to Timothy. He says, be strong in the Lord and be strong in the power of his might. He's your strength and he is your power. Look always to him. Have no confidence in the flesh, yours, or anybody else. You're going into battle. So if you're going into battle, what do you need to have? You need to have your uniform and you need to have your equipment. And this is what he says, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles, the trickeries of the devil. Take the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore with your loins girt with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith whereby you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And be praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. In other words, he says, use your equipment. What is the equipment? What is the armor we have? It's truth, it's righteousness, it's the gospel, it's faith. It's the Word of God, it's the salvation that we have, it's prayer, and it's watching, being alert, watching what's going on. This is war for the glory of God and for the souls of men. And the soldiers who fight under the blood-stained banner of Christ must be strong in grace, committed to Christ and His gospel, able to endure. And then, lastly, we ought to be determined to please Him who's chosen us to be soldiers. This is what he says to Timothy here in verse 4. He says, No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. If we are true soldiers of Jesus Christ, four things ought to mark us. Number one, dedication. Dedication to him. Sold out to him. The one who suffered, who bled, who died for us. Lynn, a moment ago when she was talking to you, brought to tears by thinking about that woman with that little baby stretched out over the grave of her loved one who had been slain in battle. But yet today we hear so much of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're not even moved when we hear about His suffering. We, when we hear about how he underwent the judgment of a broken law, the judgment of God, when we hear how he suffered not only in his body but in his soul for our sins, and yet we're not moved. We're not moved. Why? Because our hearts are hardened. We have to watch and, and persevere and ask the Lord to keep our hearts soft and tender and receptive to the truth as it is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the way to do that, brothers and sisters, I believe, is to renew yourselves to Him. Remember that you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Dedication. Number two, durableness. This is the power of lasting, the power of enduring. This requires resistance. This requires struggle. Let us not be easily discouraged. Let us be prepared at all times, because it seems to me that the devil never sleeps. There may be other casualties. Some may fall by the wayside. 
but we must not be deterred from doing what he has called us to do. Never mind what others are doing, be faithful in what he's called you to do. One of the saddest words that Paul has ever written is found in 2 Timothy 4.10 when he says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present evil world. Demas went with Paul on several missionary journeys, but finally he forsook him, he said, having loved this present evil world. Determined within yourself that by the grace of God, you're going to continue until the end. Faith is under attack today. We're at war today just as surely as those who are in the actual military of the United States are at war. We're at war, and I think it's going to get worse. The last few months have revealed cracks, I might say, in the many local regiments, and many who have professed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ have gone back, and their love has grown cold. And let us determine, again, by the grace of God, that we shall not be numbered among them. He that endures to the end shall be saved, the Lord Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 10. So there's dedication, durableness, and then there's deliberateness. Our aim should be deliberate to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. We are not secret disciples. We have to be dedicated to him. We must not be entangled with this world and its affairs. And it's difficult to do that, isn't it? Difficult to do that. You've got to work. You've got to make a living. You've got to live in this world. But it's tough being not a part of the world. Let our goal and our purpose be to serve Christ and not ourselves. And then lastly, delighted. We ought to delight ourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the old confessions of faith <clears throat> said, what is the purpose of man? What's the purpose of life? And the purpose of life was to know the Lord, to serve the Lord, and to enjoy Him forever. To delight yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ and with Christ. To want to please Him, to walk with Him, to talk with Him, to fellowship with Him, to learn more about Him, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To be faithful at our post whatever it is, loyal, steadfast, and faithful. May the Lord add his blessings to his word. I'm sorry about all of these uh, difficulties that we've had today with batteries and microphones. That is no, no doubt a distraction to you. It certainly is to me. But I hope that what we have said today will resonate with you and that the Lord will sink it down into your heart and that you'll go out of here today rejoicing in him. If you're not a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ, you should seek him now, call upon him while he's near, and seek him while he may be found. We ask your blessings, Lord, upon what we've done thus far, and that your name will be glorified thereby. Let's stand together. Under the blood of Jesus, safe in the shepherd's fold. Under the blood of Jesus, safe while the ages roll. Safe though the world 
under the blood of Jesus, I am secure in Him. Let me close with a couple of remarks. First of all, many prayer requests have been mentioned today. I also, I don't know, I wasn't listening uh, uh, at one point, so I don't know if Todd mentioned Bob and Judy Castle or not, but uh, uh, she has been eaten up with poison ivy, and uh, we took her over some soap to help her, a type soap that helps dry up. I'd like you to pray for both of them uh, while they're not here today. And also, I want to thank Brother Turner for the message that he brought last Sunday. It was an excellent message. If you didn't hear it, you should go on, uh, on YouTube, uh, Ustream, or Sermon Audio and listen to it. A good message on the grace of God. All right, let us pray. Our Father, we call upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us. And we pray that through the blood of the everlasting covenant, you will make us perfect in every good work, working that which is well-pleasing in thy sight, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And you may be dismissed.